Thank you, Lord. Everybody doing good? Everybody happy? Awesome. Open your Bibles this morning. A couple of openings before we uh, get ready to receive our offering. Um, Look with me over at uh, Psalms chapter 2, verse 12 in the Amplified. Psalms 2 said, Blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied are all of those who take their refuge and put their trust in Him. Taking our refuge and putting our trust in Him. Did you know that you can trust God with your money? You absolutely can. I know of no better investment than investing in the kingdom of God. I know of no better ground than the kingdom of God and for His causes in the earth. You know, the Bible says that some people, they trust in chariots, others in horses. But the Bible says, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Now, you can't put your trust in government. You can't put your trust in Wall Street. You can't, I mean, you can, but you shouldn't. Because those things are very, very, very insecure. But God and His Word will always hold you up. The Bible says that He upholds all things by the Word of His power. And you know, if He's upholding the whole universe by the Word of His power, if you will just trust Him and put confidence in Him, you can be fully persuaded that in your life, Everything is going to be all right. And that includes your money. Now, it takes trust. It takes confidence in Him to bring your tithes and your offerings to Him. But when you do do that, He will open you the windows of heaven. And those windows of heaven are windows of opportunity. It might be a window of employment. It may be a window of a divine connection. Or a divine opportunity. Look unto him, as Brenda said. Behold him in his word. And as you behold him as your great, great need meter, El Shaddai, the God is more than enough, he will meet your need. And uh, so the windows of heaven are open for the tither. Amen? Amen. And he says, as a result of you bringing your tithes and offerings, he said, I'll pour you out a blessing that there shall be hardly enough room to receive it. How many of you are in position to receive from the Lord today? Amen. I'm praying for an overflow of blessings in your life and on your family and whatever you put your hand to this holiday season. Amen. We're going to go ahead and we're going to worship the Lord with our giving today. Let me give you a, a, a quick update, a quick update on our giving. We set our goal for 166. So far, 58,000 has come in. Amen. And uh, so we're believing God. You ought to be happier than that. I don't know. I mean, no one, no one. Uh, no one asks you, no one asks you to meet the need. We're looking to him, right? 
And so we're being obedient unto him. And of course, that will help us fulfill our our uh, liquidity covenant with our lending institution, which is a cash reserve. And uh, so let's go ahead. Let's worship the Lord with our giving today in Jesus' name. A faithful man, he shall abound with blessings. The word abound there means increase. God is a God of increase. And as you are faithful and as you trust him with the seeds that you've just sown, I believe it's a major key to having more of God, more of blessing in your life. That's awesome. You know, I I talked to a a gentleman the other day, and I I will not say his name, but I know that this man has been faithful for years and years and years and years. And, uh, you know, he wasn't even aware of it, but because he was a certain partner in a company, when they sold the company, they gave him some shares worth a million dollars. Isn't that awesome? Had, Had no way of knowing that but God. You may know not, you may not know how, but you know who. You may not know when, but you know him. And when you know him, you know, praise God, it's going to be all right. Trusting him, putting your confidence in him. The question I want to ask you is where you live and what you're looking at. We found out that a lot of people live in fantasy land. There's other people that live in the past and certainly there are people that live in the land of unfulfilled desires. And we have discovered in our series on where do you live that as Jesus said in John 15, 7, if you live in me and my word lives in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. So we discussed this, that when we are living in him, amen, that when we are abiding in Him and living in His Word, we're living in the right place. And then in verse 9 of chapter 15 of John 15, it says that we are to literally live in His love. If you've loved me the same way the Father has loved me, so live in my love. Everyone say, I'm living in the love of God. So we're living in this understanding of how much He loves us. And then we're loving ourselves, and then we're loving our neighbor as ourselves. And as a result of living in the right place, the Bible says that God will take out of the rich treasury of His glory and strengthen you with might by His Spirit in the inner man, and that you and I, as a result of living and operating in this love, glory to God, that we will have the richest measure of His divine presence. And that we will become a person, a body, holy, filled and flooded with God himself, with love himself. Oh man, I'm telling you, the richer your love walk is, the richer his presence is going to be in your life. I don't think people have connected the two, but there is an absolute connection between you walking in love and you having a greater measure of his presence in your life. His presence is all that we need to get over and to get by. In His presence, the Bible says there's a fullness of joy. And when we walk in this fullness of love, we become irresistible. People will be drawn to Christ in us because of the love of God flowing through us. Now, where do we live? What are we looking at? A third thing that I want to talk about, Jan, is where do we live? We are to be living in rich fellowship with Him. 
And when we do live in rich fellowship with him and get to know him and become more acquainted with him, the more that we will trust him. And so I want you to see this truth today. Knowing him and trusting him go together. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, the Bible says that we are called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. That word called there means that we are invited, that he had called us aloud, aloud with a loud voice into the richness of this fellowship, called unto koinonia, called to get to know him, called to become acquainted with him. Now, if you would look with me this morning over in the Bible at Psalms 8 and verse 4 and verse 5. Say amen. Psalms 8 verse 4. Does somebody need to repent? I don't know. All right. Psalms chapter 8 verse 4 and 5. Hallelujah. He said, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned man with glory and honor. In other words, God has the highest regard for mankind. And as a result of him being mindful of us, he has encircled us, he has embraced us with his presence. Now when I know, and you know, your place in his heart, how much he loves us, it will be easy for us to then step in to fellowship with him. Amen. In Job 7, verse 17, it says it this way. What is man that you should magnify him and that you should set your heart upon him? I love the message translation. It says it like this. What is man that you should magnify him? What are mortals anyway that you bother with them and that you even give them the time of day? How many of you know people that just won't give you the time of day? Well, a lot of them think just because they're all that. You know, I have time for you because I'm all that. Well, you ain't all that. He's all that. And he's all that. And he has an open invitation for you to come to the throne of grace 24-7, anytime any place. Isn't that awesome? What is man that you bother with them and that you give them the time of day? Look at your neighbor and say, we need to get acquainted with the father. Look at Job chapter 22 and verse 21. Job twenty-two twenty-one talks about getting acquainted Acquaint now yourself with him. By the way, it's good in the local church to get acquainted with one another. You know, these very festive activities that we have coming up over the holidays. It's awesome to get acquainted with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. I was so happy last week. You know, they had 47 people at the first focus single group. Isn't that wonderful? It's very, very important to get acquainted with one another. Get to know one another. That's fellowship. That's koinonia. Amen. So all these different things that are coming up, make sure that you avail yourself to them. Now notice in Job twenty-two twenty-one. let's read it together. Ready, read. Acquaint now yourself with him. Agree with God. 
and show yourself to be conformed to his will and be at peace. By that you shall prosper and great good shall come unto you. Now let's just keep that up here. Notice with me, he says, acquaint now yourself with me. Come into agreement with me. You see, God doesn't need to come into agreement with us. We need to come in agreement with him and his word. And as we do that, we'll not be conformed to our way of thinking, but we'll be transformed to his way of thinking. And then as a result, what follows suit of getting acquainted with him, there'll be peace in your life. A peace that passes all understanding. But he's not done yet. And then he says, when you come into harmony with me, when you agree with my word, when you believe what I said and speak what I said and see yourself with what I said and keep your eyes on me and live in me, he said, you'll prosper. You will prosper. You will prosper without a doubt. And great good shall come unto you. I desire to prosper. I desire good to come unto me. But I cannot live my life in my own strength. I cannot live my life out of the reasoning area. I've got to live my life in trust and in confidence for him and in him. And as we do these things, we'll have peace and we will have prosperity. I like the message translation. He says, be in harmony and at peace with God. And in this way, you will have prosperity. See, to know him as is to trust him. Brenda and I have been married 35 years. I never worry about Brenda committing adultery. She never worries about me committing adultery. Now, why is that? Because we know each other. And because we've known each other and are getting to know each other even more today than yesterday, we trust one another. And so the more that you know him and get acquainted with him, the more that you can trust him, the more that you can have confidence in him. He's always faithful, but what we need to do is come up a degree or two in our faith and our trust in his faithfulness. Are you listening to me? So it is the knowledge of him that brings you peace and joy in your life. Now listen to this statement. Knowing him is living in him. And the more that we know him, the more that we will trust him. For knowing him, I believe, is a major key, is an absolute, it'll put you on the right road. It'll put you on the highway to the triumphant life. Oh, Paul said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. The psalmist said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, happy, fortunate, and to be envied is the man who trusts and takes refuge in him. My refuge is in him. My confidence is in him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to look at a few scriptures about trust because we're going we're gonna to work on this revelation today and we're going to have a greater understanding of what trust is all about. Yes. Now, when you see in the word, the word faith 
you could really literally replace the word faith with trust because essentially they're one and the same. Now, let me just give you an example. In Habakkuk, the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Now, if we took the word faith out of there, we'd put the word trust in there and we could say it this way. The just shall live by trust. Second Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by trust and not by sight. Without trust, it is impossible to please him. He that comes to God must trust that he is. And trust that he also, he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And lean not to thy own understanding. A life of trust is a must. A life of confidence is an absolute for you and I. Living by trust is the only way to live. Living by faith. Living with your life in His hands. Living by His word in your heart. Coming out of your mouth. Looking only unto Him. Brothers and sisters, it is the supernatural life. It is the highway to a triumphant life. It is the only way to live. It is life at its best. It is life at its highest level. I know in whom I have believed. I know in whom I have believed. I know him. I'm acquainted with him. And I trust him. And I am fully persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. Glory to God. Woo, glory to God. It pays rich dividends to know Him. To trust Him. To put your all and all into Him. Let's just look at a few scriptures here today. Look with me, first of all, over to Psalms. Oh, let's see. Look over at uh, Psalm, Proverbs 16.20. Let's notice just a few verses. And then we're going we're gonna to preach. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible talks about uh, trusting in His what? In His mercy. Uh, Proverbs 16.20 <coughs> says this, that He that handleth the matter wisely shall find good, but whosoever trusts in the Lord, what is he? I believe this. The trusters of him are the happiest people in the world. Now turn over to Psalms 5.11. Look at the amplified version. Psalm 5.11, amplified. Thank you, Lord. Psalms 5.11, amplified. You go ahead and find it in your Bible. We'll get it up there soon. Amen. Amen. But let all those who take refuge and put their trust in Social Security. Gotcha. Let all those who take refuge and put their trust in politicians. No. Let all those who take refuge... 
and put their trust in you, what do they ought to do? They ought to rejoice. Let them ever sing and shout for joy. Why? Because you make a covering over them and you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you and in high spirits. If anyone ought to be in high spirits, it ought to be spirit-filled Christians. Some of us needed some other spirits to get us high at one time in life. But we left those spirits and now we've received the Holy Spirit. And now we've learned to trust in Him. And we don't need some sort of counterfeit to be in high spirits. We serve the Most High God. And He's lifted us high above all principality and power. Come on now. And he's made us to sit together in heavenly places. Let everyone that calls on the name and trusts in him rejoice in the Lord. Now look at Psalms 91 verse 4. Psalms 91. And notice with me in the, in the fourth verse. Trusting in him. Have confidence in him. Now, the context of this psalm is found in verse 1. You don't need to look at it. I'll quote it to you. It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. God is saying, live in this secret place and you will be the safest of the safe. You will live safely in an unsafe world. Amen? But again, it gets down to where do you live? And that points back to our first point of fellowship. Living in the secret place is living in fellowship with him. Now notice what one of the results uh, is of doing that. Read verse 4 with me. Ready, read. He shall cover me with his feathers and under his wings I will trust. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. Notice we're under his wing. Hey, when God got you under your wing, you're all right, man. Woo, glory to God. When daddy, daddy takes you under his wing, there's nothing left to do but shout and sing. I'm in the secret place. I'm in the secret place. The devil can't touch me because I'm under his wing and he has set me free. Hallelujah. Now, you don't want to get out from under his wing. By leaning to the realm of reasoning. Live in him and he will live in you. Live in the secret place. It is a place of great grace. It is a place of great power. It is higher, higher, much higher than the test you'll ever face. The Bible says that the name of the Lord is our strong tower. The righteous who trust in his name, what will they do? They'll run into it under his wing and they're going to be safe. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm the safest of the safe because I'm a living in him and he's a living in me. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. 
Stop trying to do life on your own. It don't work. Stop trying to figure it out, reason it out, rationalize it out. Just commit your way unto him. Trust also in him and he will bring it to pass. Woo, glory to God. That's what the Bible says. Hallelujah. He is, Nahum 1.7 says, he is a stronghold to you in a day of trouble. And them that know him and trust him shall abide safely in that stronghold. Look at it like this. Back in the early days of civilization in the Middle East, their cities were surrounded with walls. And enemies would come and try to penetrate. And oftentimes, smack dab in the center of the city, they had a big tower. And so they would look and they would see the enemy coming. And they would sound the alarm and the whole city would run into the tower. But they wouldn't stay at the bottom of the tower. They would go to the top of the tower. And they would barricade the doors so the enemy could not get into the tower. So they're up there on the top of the tower going, nah, 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 nah. you can't get us. Amen. And that's where God's brought you. He's brought you to the top of the tower. Yeah. Now the enemy's down here and he has a, tr- he has a difficult time shutting his mouth. Yes. And he say, hey, come on down here. You got problems down here. Come on down here. Let's reason this out together. No, you just stay in the tower. You stay in the refuge of the secret place of the Most High and you will prevail in your life. Now listen, you can't do life in your own strength. You can't afford to trust in your head. Matter of fact, he says in Proverbs 3, 5, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You know, yesterday we kind of had a little counseling session where we were counseling a couple on some things that, that was a big decision that they needed to make. And it was going to change their life if they, if they made this decision. And they wanted to make sure they made the right decision. Amen. How many of you are facing decisions? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Are you interested in making the right one? Yeah. You know, making the wrong decision can cost you. Yeah. It can really cost you. And they were so busy up here in their mind and in their soul and in their reasoning, they couldn't reach down here. See, down here is where the answers are. See, wisdom in the heart of man is like deep waters. But a man of understanding will draw it out. Now listen, it's okay to look at things. It's okay to, to, to get the calculator out, if you will. It's okay to consider things and to look at the pros and cons of something. But when the dust settles, my brothers and sisters, those things should not be first. He should be first. He should be calling the shots. Amen. At the end of the day, it's what you have down here in your heart. And so if you're in that process of making decisions, I want to encourage you today. Start with him. Start with him. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's trust. Now notice. He said in Philippians, here's what I want you to do. Give all of this baggage to me. Unload the weight of those decisions and put them in my hands. Be careful for nothing. Don't sweat it. 
Don't have any anxiety about it. And once you've really unloaded the weight of it over on him, then pray. First base is to give it to him. Second base is to pray. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to who? Call unto me and I will and show thee great and which thou knowest. But you got to call. you got to ask. But before you ask, you can't be worried about it. So put it over on him. Pray second base. And then third base is be still. Get quiet on the inside. You know that scripture over in Psalms, it says, be still and know that I'm God. I'd like to say this, be still and know. Or be still and know what is God's direction for your life. Now the good news is this, he's committed to lead you. He's committed to guide you because he loves you. And he has your best interests at heart. But don't go out in life and just make it your best decision. No, we want God's mind. We want God's way. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So trust in him. Commit it to him. And he will work on your behalf. Now listen very carefully. Say this with me. Trusting him is a major key to living a triumphant, a triumphant life. The more you know him, the more you'll trust him. Okay? Now look with me over at Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. You know, we're going to face tough times in life. You know that, right? Amen? I thought this was kind of cute. I want to read a few of them to you. It says, trust him even though the way is hard and perilous. Life can be tough. How can you tell when it's going to be a challenging day? Well, here's some ways. You wake up face down on the pavement. You call suicide prevention and they put you on hold. You see a 60 Minutes news team waiting in your office. For you December babies, your birthday cake collapses from the weight of the candles. Your twin sister forgot it was your birthday. Your horn accidentally goes off and remains stuck as you follow a group of hell's angels down 880. You go to work tomorrow morning and your boss tells you not to bother to take your coat off. The bird singing outside your window is a buzzard. You wake up and your braces are locked together. You call your answering service to check to see what's up and they tell you it's none of your business. Your income tax check bounces. That's a tough day. But no matter what the tough day may bring, You can trust Him. You can put your faith in Him. And God can take any situation and turn it around. Y'all ready for some word? You ready for some word today? Knowing Him 
and trusting him is where you want to live. The just shall live in trust. Now, Jeremiah chapter 17, notice with me in verse 7 and verse 8. It says, blessed is the man or the woman that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Verse 8. Let's read it together. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought or famine, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Blessed is the man. Now look over at Psalms 125. And I want you to notice in verse 1. So the Lord is comparing the man who trusts him to a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. Amen. And then in Psalms 125, and we see another image that the Lord gives us concerning trust. These are word pictures for you and I. Let's read it together. Are you ready? Read. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed. I want you to read that last statement, which cannot be removed. I want you to emphasize that word cannot, which cannot be removed, but abides. Can it be removed? It cannot (laughs) be removed. So then, when we are in trust, we will not be moved. No matter how heavy the conflict is, we're like Mount Zion. We're not moved. You don't care why this didn't happen yet or why that didn't happen yet. Why? Because you're like Mount Zion. You're like Mount Zion. You can't be moved. Now, I played a lot of basketball in my life. And in recent years, I used to play down in Ardenwood with some of the guys. And there was a gentleman there that was a Samoan. And this Samoan guy was strong and he was tough. And I would kind of fool with him a little bit because I was affectionately known as OG on the court. You know, old guy. And when they picked sides, they said, okay, I'll take OG. Then OG started raining in threes. Ho, Shebaha. And then everyone had wanted OG. But anyway, one day, you know, I'm down there and we're playing. And, and uh, I learned how to play basketball when I was in high school and college. And I knew one thing, because when you're only six foot one and you're playing with guys that are six foot five and six foot six, you've got to position yourself to get a rebound. Amen. And what you need to do is box somebody out. That means you put your butt right near their butt and you push. You know what I'm saying? And, and I used to use my elbows. And, and, and do a little push, you know, do a little push. You know, when you try to get the ball, you push them to the ref wouldn't see it and you get, it and get your shot off. But I was playing down there in Ardenwood and, and, and I did that butt thing, you know. And I tried to get him out of the way, and this guy was like the rock of Gibraltar. It, I'm telling you, he was like cement 
stuck there forever. He would not be moved. And he just looked at me and went. (laughs) Well, that's how God wants you to be. When Satan comes along with his big butts. Yeah, it worked for so-and-so, but it won't work for you. You know, he's always got something to say. But when you're like Mount Zion, when you're like that tree planted by the rivers of water, you cannot be Woo, glory to God. You stand forever like a mountain. My position remains the same. You see, trusters outlast the conflict. Trusters are planted like a tree by the rivers of water. Oh yeah, the tree's going to be there. On a sunny day, on a rainy day, on a snowy day, in March, December, or January, that tree is going to be there. See, here's what trust says. Whatever my day looks like, I'm in God. Whatever the pain is like, I'm in God. Whatever the bills say, I'm in God. I had a good job, but they laid me off. I'm in God. I'm trusting Him. My confidence is in Him. I'm like a tree planted by the waters. I shall not be. I shall not be moved. Pastor, I had a good job, but they laid laid me off. Be in God. See, if you stay that way, you won't remain that way. Things will turn. Things will change. Listen, friend. Trust Him when they like you and when they don't like you. Trust Him when the x-ray is positive and trust Him when the x-ray is negative. Trust Him in the morning. Trust Him in the noontime. Trust Him all day long. Hallelujah. I believe this. That some of you this morning, you're going to walk out of here with some pep in your step. I believe some of you are going to walk out of here with some glide in your stride. And before you walked in here, some of you seem powerless. You're going to go home. With a big smile on your face because those that put their trust in Him rejoice. I I, I can sense your spirits getting stronger even now. In high spirits. You're going to walk into your home and your living room and they're going to sense a change. They're going to see a difference on your face. You're all lit up like that Christmas tree. And Pookie and them or Ethel and George or whoever they are in your living room. They're going to say, what happened to you? And you'll be able to tell them, I got my power turned back on. Woo, glory to God. I got my power turned back on. Watch out, devil. Here I come. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The enemy wants to shut you down. But God's turning your power back on today. You've got a reason to live. You have a reason to shout. No, you're not perfect and neither am I. Yes, you've missed it and so have I. 
But we're not centering in on us. We're doing what Brenda said. We're keeping our eyes on him. And I've discovered this. What I behold is exactly what I will become. When I look into this perfect law of liberty and I behold him, I don't see Mark anymore. I don't see my shortcomings anymore. I see who I am through the mirror of revelation knowledge. I see that I am not what I used to be. I see that I don't have to do what I used to do. I now see because I've looked into the perfect law of liberty. I've seen him. And when I see him, I eventually see me because I am in him and he is in me. And what you behold continuously is what you will have and become in your life. Listen. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Looking unto Jesus, looking away from everything that would distract unto him, the author and the finisher of your faith. There's something about beholding him as your healer. If you will look at him as your healer, In this perfect law of liberty, in this word, you will see healing from Genesis to Revelation. This word has life, quickening power, and healing in it. This word is alive. And so if you'll stop beholding the x-rays for a while, and stop beholding the internet... What the internet says about this and that. And just behold him. And look into the perfect law of liberty. And see him in healing scriptures. See what the Bible says concerning your redemption. That himself took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. See him not only as your healer. But see him as your financier. And if you will look long enough. And work with this word long enough. Eventually, you'll begin to see yourself healed. You'll begin to see yourself out of debt. You'll begin to see yourself the way God's been seeing you down through the ages. He doesn't see you as a reject. He sees you as accepted in the beloved. God doesn't see you insecure. He sees you secure in Him. Say it with me. What I behold behold is what what I will become. become. Let me ask you this. Is there anything in your life that needs to change? (laughs) Faith, now listen, faith sees the answer. Trusters see the answer before the answer materializes. Trusters call those things which be not as though they were. Trusters lay hands on their pancreas and say, Pancreas, I demand you to function in the perfection that God created you to function. Trusters look at their bills and they laugh and declare, glory to God, every need is met. I'm calling myself debt free. You know what I do when I walk up to this building? Oftentimes, I'll put my hand on this building 
and I'll call it paid in full. I'll call it paid in full. I'll talk to that building. You know, good thing about the building, it don't talk back. Your body will talk back to you. But oh, friends, there is a major key to the triumphant life by you believing in your heart and saying with your mouth what God's word says about you and living in it and meditating in it until you begin to see yourself with it. Let me ask you something. Can you see yourself out of debt? Can you see your body healed? How about this? Can you see your loved ones coming to him? Now, listen, don't get under condemnation if you can't see it yet. Just go to work. Go to work and get in this word and let this word abide in you. Live in it. And this word will paint a picture of your babies getting born again. This word, listen, friends, this word will change the way you see things. Pastor Mark's seeing things. You bet I am. I'm seeing things according to the Word of God. And listen, you don't have to explain it to your relatives. You don't have to explain it to your co-workers. Listen, friends, as a spirit-filled Christian, you're going to see things others don't see. That's right. There's no way that non-Christians can see the same thing you're seeing. That's right. Because their eyes are blinded. That's right. They can't trust the way you trust. They don't have the truster living on the inside of them. That's right. But you can pray for them. Yeah. Yeah, And they can come out of darkness into the kingdom of God. And then you can begin to minister to them the word of God. Can you really see yourself with a promotion? Can you see yourself doing those things that God has placed on the inside of you? Now, when this happens, there'll come a change in your life. A change of the way you think. A change the way you see things. And the Bible says that you'll be transformed and you'll go from one degree of glory to the next. Listen, how many of you would like to step out of the natural into the supernatural? I've had enough of this old natural world. I've had enough of this dry boat riding. I want to step out of the boat and step into the supernatural. Hey, glory to God. That's what Peter did. He stepped out of the boat when Jesus said the word come. And as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he stayed in the supernatural. But when he took his eyes off the master, he began to slip and to slide. But I got good news for you. God's got a supernatural life and a supernatural walk for you. And if you'll keep your eyes focused and trusting him... He will make sure that you live your life and walk on top of life's circumstances. I just dropped by to tell you something. Number one, God loves you. Number two, he wants you to get to know him. And number three, he wants you to know that you can absolutely positively trust him. You can trust him. You know what he can do? He can do anything that we'll believe him for. He can satisfy all of our needs. And He can do it simultaneously. He can take your body that's been weakened and He can strengthen it instantly. 
He can take a body that's beat up and beat down. He can quicken it and make it alive again. You can put your trust in him. You know what else? He's available to you right in the midst of your temptation. When you've been tempted and you've been tried, it's not the time to lean on your mind. But it's time to look to him because he is the way out. Come on, somebody. You can trust him. He will guide you. He will guard you. He knows what you're going through. And he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Keep your trust in him. You know what else he does? He forgives sinners. He forgave me. He forgave you. You know what else he does? He discharges the debtors. He sets the captives free. He defends his people. He blesses the young. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. You can trust him today because he is the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of your deliverance. He is the pathway to your peace. You can trust him. You know what else he is? He's the roadway to righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway to victory. And I hear the Lord saying that you can trust him. Did you know why you can trust him? Because he's the head of the church. He's alive today. Did you know that his office is manifold? His promises are sure. That his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. You can trust him. He's indescribable. Because he's incomprehensible. He's irresistible because he is in fact invincible. You can't get him off your hands. You can't get him off your mind. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. (laughs) Hallelujah. God, God is faithful. Faithful is our God who will also do it. You know what Pilate found out? Pilate couldn't stand it when he found out he couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. And the witness could not get their testimonies together to agree. And Herod couldn't kill him. And death couldn't handle him. And thank God the grave couldn't hold him. There's nobody before him. There'll be nobody after him. He has no predecessor. He has no successor. You can't impeach him. He's not going to resign. And my brothers and sisters, he's trustworthy. Yes, he is. How many of you have ever played chess before? Amen. Well, you know that in chess, there is this final move that is made on the king. When the king is back into the corner in chess... When the game is about to end, the person says, checkmate. In other words, there's no way out. You've had it. There's no way that you're going to make it. My dear brothers and sisters, Satan has been yelling checkmate to several of your souls. 
There's no way that you can get out of this. You've got yourself in too deep. There's no way out. You know what you need to do when you hear that? You need to put your hand on your side and say, I don't think so. Because the king has one more move. The king has one more move. When Satan thought he had him in the grave forever. And there was a party in hell. Party. Thought they had him in the region of the dam forever. Our father in heaven said, I don't think so. The king had one more move. And the power of God shot into hell itself and raised the Son of God from the dead. The woman taken in the very act of adultery. We wouldn't call them peeping Toms, we'd call them peeping Pharisees. And they had her and they threw her down in the midst of Jesus. They said, the law says, stone her. And Jesus stooped down. Began to write in the ground. And looked up. You see, the king had another move. Jesus is writing in the ground. And maybe he said in Hebrew, I don't think so. He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. The king had one more move. And I'm telling you, religion will damn your soul to hell. And religion will condemn you. When you've missed it, when you've sinned, by any means, don't go to the denominational headquarters. Don't go to the Pharisees. But go to him. Because my king, he always causes us to triumph. And he always has one more move. Yeah, hallelujah. That's right. Praise God. Trust him. Now position yourself for him to move. And the way we do that is we trust him. Did you get anything out of this today? Let's all stand to our feet and give God glory. Thank you, Lord. Woo, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. And so here's our take home this week. Spend some time in the Word. Spend some time in prayer. Be still before Him. Trust also in Him. Commit your way to Him. He's going to bring it to pass. Now let me pray with you. Put your hand over your heart. Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus, we commit our lives afresh and anew to you. We place our confidence in you, in the person of Jesus Christ. I know in whom that I believe. And now I trust you and am fully confident that you will bring to pass your perfect will 
in my life. That I may know you, sir. And the power of your resurrection.